once again, Cougar Nation. Welcome back inside Studio C at the BYU Broadcasting Building in Provo for our latest edition of the Coordinator's Corner, presented by JCW's The Burger Boys. Coming up on today's show, we'll look back at a fourth straight win to start the season for the now 13 and 14th ranked BYU Cougars' latest win, a 27-20 grinder over UTSA at Lavelle Edwards Stadium. And we're breaking it down with offensive coordinator Jeff Grimes and special teams coordinator Ed Lamb. We start things off on the offensive side of the ball. Welcome in, BYU OC. Jeff Grimes, good to see you, Coach. Good to be here. Uh, we don't often uh, talk a lot about rankings on this show, a little more X's and O's, but uh, let's start there. Uh, you're a 4-0 team. You're in the top 15. You're about to play a Friday night game on, on ESPN this week. What a great profile and a great platform right now for this program. Yeah, I think, I think it's a great opportunity. Honestly, um, as a coach, I try to downplay those things as much as I can because all of those things take care of themselves if you take care of the things that are, that are more pressing, namely um, winning each week, um, having a good practice that day, taking care of your, your center quarterback exchange, having good ball security down to the most minute of all details. Um, but it's, it's fun, um, and I think it is, it is cool that it gives us a platform. But for us as coaches, we're, we're trying not to focus on those things and trying to help our players not read them too much. Well, Saturday's win uh, wasn't the most dominant outing of the season by a point spread, but there's value in winning when certain components may not be at their sharpest. Much better to learn uh, hard lessons while not taking a loss at the same time. I think it's a great opportunity for our team. I really do. And I'm certainly not pleased with how we play, um, how we played, how we executed. Not, not as good as we have at, at other points this year. But I think it gives us an opportunity as coaches to really point out some ways that we can get better. I think we'll certainly have our team's full attention right now. And um, leading into a big game against a quality opponent um, on a short week certainly heightens that sense of urgency. There's also a notion, too, that because of how, the, how BYU's been playing, the bar is pretty high right now. And, and, and so um, a seven-point win doesn't feel the same as the previous three, but if you break it down and you can choose any number of metrics, a lot of good things were still getting done. Yeah, there were certainly a lot of good things that happened. If you, if you looked at um, you know, total yardage, um, Zach's numbers our, right. in our throwing game, our yards per carry in the run game, our red zone efficiency, there were a lot of good things to point to. Um, I just think we weren't as, as clean and consistent as we normally would be. And so um, there, there's good and bad in that. You know, and a lot of people say that good teams have to learn how to win ugly sometimes, and it's certainly better than the alternative. BYU usually uh, wins at the coin toss. When they don't, um, you know, the question will be, will they be starting the ball, uh, starting on offense or defense? And I think you usually start the ball on de- start the game on defense. You were on offense to start this game. And, man, you were crisp. I mean, it was three plays, you're 60 yards downfield, and you're about to go in. At least that's the way it felt. Yeah, I, th- I, think, I think that certainly was the case. And I think it had the opportunity to really change um, the way the entire game went. And I think our, our giving the ball to the opponent right there really gave them life rather than, than just the opposite. But two... Uh, two big pass plays right there to start off with, and then another that that had a chance to put us right there, right down there uh, inside the the ten for sure, maybe even closer. 
And, and really the guy just takes kind of a sweeping swipe and, and happens to knock the ball out. Just poor ball security, honestly. That's something that we never talk about, that we never do. You never lift the football. You always carry it close to your body. And Neil just made a, a, a critical mistake right there. And fortunately, he came back and made up for it with a great touchdown catch and a couple of big blocks later on. And so uh, glad that he bounced back from it. We'll see that again here in a bit. Uh, second possession turns into a turnover on down. So now you're two possessions in going, all right, we're kind of used to being up by this point. Yeah, and like I said, I think sometimes um, a little adversity is good for a team. And uh, I, don't, I don't think there was any panic on our sideline, but there was certainly some frustration. And, and I think in, in some ways that's, it's okay for our guys to feel that way when we don't perform well. It turned into your only, your only to this point, uh, scoreless quarter of the season. You played 16 quarters. You've, been, you've, scored, you've scored in 15 of them. This was the one in which you did not score. It's also... Uh, the first time that you weren't like leading to begin the game, had to play from behind a little bit. And so these are the adversities you're talking about that really you hadn't seen literally until that point. Yeah, it is. And, and um, it was our first time to, to see this team and a couple of guys who were in key roles, how they were going to handle that moment. And uh, overall, glad that we were able to, to bounce back. What did you think UTSA was going to give you coming in? Everyone looked at what the odds makers said would happen. What sense did you have? Um, I knew that they would come in and play tough. Um, I, I, as I said before, I know their coach um, and, and know him more by reputation than anything, but he's a guy that is going to get his team ready to play a physical brand of football, and I thought they did that. I thought their defensive front had the capacity to give us a hard time, and they did. We did not protect well early in the game, and Zach bailed us out of a couple of times where we, uh, where we gave up some pressures. Um, so I really wasn't surprised that, that they came and did what they did. I was just disappointed that, that we uh, hurt ourselves. We had, we had too many self-inflicted wounds, the fumble of Neal's early and some penalties and some things that were uncharacteristic of our offense thus far. Well, uh, uncharacteristic was to go zero in, in the first quarter, but you scored 14 in the second quarter, and the first touchdown, I want to get back to it. You referenced it already, and that's what Neil Pau did in that back right corner. Uh, nice touch on the ball. Uh, you can see it was a touch pass from Zach, but then to get the feet down, it was it was such a nice play that the officials had to all talk about how nice it was for a few minutes there. Well, it. yeah, and, and I, I couldn't see it from where I was on the field. I couldn't tell whether whether he was in or not, but I, I was just assuming from the angle that he caught the ball at that he was going to have to be out. It was really a an amazing play for Zach to put it in the only place that he could have and then Neil to be able to go up and then get his feet down inbounds. Pretty incredible. Um, and those two guys, they play a lot of football together, not just on the field, but but working on their own. And so the, the type of... Um, um, synchronicity that they played with right there, I think, was was um, something that, that comes from all the time they've spent together. It was a long delay before we got the final call from the officials on that. Waited quite a while to like actually call touchdown on that one. And, and how important is it that it was the guy that, you know, uh, gave up an opportunity earlier in the game that gets to make a great play to put you guys in front? Yeah, I, I think it's great for him, you know. Um, as coaches, um, somebody that, that's proven themselves to us, and Neil would certainly be one of those guys. We're it, it, we're not gonna we're not gonna take anything away from him. M- much like Dax a couple of weeks ago when he muffed that punt early in the game, we're we're not gonna look away from those guys that have proven themselves like they have. And so, 
I felt like it was a great opportunity for him to show his teammates that I can make up for that. So Neil did that, put you guys up 7-3. The drive after the TD, uh, you got off schedule with a holding call, and that kind of felt a little bit like uh, the yardage didn't equate to the points in part because you got off schedule a few times. Yeah, we did, and it seemed like we were... We were out of rhythm a lot um, on sa- on Saturday, and, and the penalties were certainly a big part of that. And, and penalties have not been a problem. And let's still say at this point, uh, the 15 penalties for the year, that's still a BYU record for fewest penalties through the first four games of the season. And so it's still a very, very low number. It's just that you've gotten used to, to really low numbers through the first few games. Yeah, as I'm looking at it, I don't like the direction that number's going. We need to get it moving back down the other way. And overall... You're right, it's a pretty good number, but um, we can do much better. Uh, Second touchdown to put you up 14-3 before the break. Really nice little play to uh, Lopini Kato. Can you take us through the call? Um, You know, that screen play is something that we've had success with over the last two years. It's a a play that I love. I've run a number of different places, and um, the design behind this particular one was one that A-Rod came up with during the week. We've done it this way before. Um, we really kind of set it up with a play action that we ran off of the same action last week. And so I, I thought it was set up nice. We used that play action in the red zone last week. And so it looked just like that play. And, and I thought it was, it was a great time for it. And Peeney's got a great, a great knack for the screen game. He really understands how to avoid contact at the line of scrimmage and then follow his blockers in the open field. Yeah, when a guy doesn't get touched on his way into the end zone, it's, it's pretty good design and execution there. Yeah. Uh, 14 to 3 at the break, uh, but 300 yards of offense. So I'm sure you felt that the two scores maybe weren't enough bang for your buck there in the first half. Yeah, absolutely weren't. But also felt like we were moving in the right direction given what happened in the second quarter and then, and then looked at the stat sheet at halftime and said, okay, we got 300 yards of offense, so we're about to break this thing open and, um, and felt good going into halftime. And one of the highlights of that first half, I thought, was was how Tyler Algier ran the ball, not just in the first half, it's really all season, but 75 rushing yards at the break for Tyler. And uh, yeah, just the, the manner in which he runs the ball, any coach is going to love that, right? Yeah, he's just, he's a he's a unique combination of size and power and, and speed. And, um, he, you know, just like that clip right there, you know, he does a great job running through contact. You know, I don't know what his yards are after contact, but... He's a guy that a lot, a lot of defenders don't want to bring down. He gives and takes uh, equal amounts of punishment as a running back, and his yards per carry number is still over seven right now. Now we're four games in. That's that's a good sample size to say what kind of guy this is going to be. Uh, he gives you big chunks. He does, and he's been really consistent. And so I, I think he's he's a guy that can make extra yards. And I think a big part of it is um, him really, really working in the off season, not only to to uh, get himself in great shape, but to understand the offense and the subtleties of, of how to run the plays that are a part of our system. There are a lot of factors that went into keeping last year's rush numbers down a bit, but your leading rusher had fewer yards last year for the season than Tyler's got right now uh, through four games. Um, again, he's doing a great job, and let's hope we can stay healthy. Those guys, uh, he and Peeney, are doing a really nice job, and if we can stay healthy there, I think that'll be That'll be the difference that we haven't had the last two seasons. Which is actually a good segue to the fact that the guy that did lead BYU in rushing last year, people forget, was Sione Finau. Yeah. And he's getting close. He is. He's getting close. I wouldn't be surprised to see him either this week or the, or the next week um, begin to get some action.
I mean, how nice is that to know that you've got a great one-two going right now, and then you bring in a guy that, oh yeah, led you in rushing last year. <laughs> yeah, it's a really good feeling to get to the point where we have where we have three. We've had two and some other guys. Um, when we get to the point where we have three, then I'll feel a lot better. What's reasonable to expect from him when you do bring him back? Um, I don't know. We got to see him practice first. You know, he's not he's not had full contact practices yet. Again, he's getting close. Does it happen but, this week? Do you think? Uh, I think maybe. Okay. I think maybe this week. But again, I, you know what a guy does on game day um, is indicative of what the work that he's put in during that week. And I got to see what he does this week. All right, it is break time. And a reminder that uh, tomorrow night. It's BYU football with Kalani Sitake, your weekly look inside the Cougar football program. It is live at 8.30 p.m. Eastern time on the BYU TV app. Coming up, we'll cap off our recap of Saturday's home win over UTSA and identify Coach Grimes' offensive player of the week. This is the Coordinator's Corner. We're coming to you live from Studio C. And we're brought to you by JCW's The Burger Boys. Back with more right after this. Short drop, pushed out to the right. Zach's now on the run to the far numbers, lobs it to the back corner. Catch is made. Was it back at the end zone? No signal, no signal. Touchdown is the signal. And there was a bit of a delay between the actual catch and the actual signal, believe me. Uh, we are back on the coordinator's corner with BYU OC Jeff Grimes, BYU 4-0 at 1-0 Houston this Friday night. Uh, we'll look at this week's clash of the Cougars coming up in our next segment. BYU got to 4-0 with a 27-20 home win over UTSA on Saturday. Second straight game going without center uh, James Empey. A third straight game without starting right guard Tristan Hodge. And uh, Coach Grimes Kalani telling us postgame on the radio that uh, both guys would have a chance to go this week. Felt really good about James getting back. Yeah, I, th- I think both those guys are moving in the right direction. Um, I think James is probably closer than Tristan. Again, uh, just like I said with Sione, we'll have to see what it looks like in practice the next couple of days. You did, you did dress James and throw him through some pregame on Saturday, uh, but he wasn't going to be used uh, even he, if he'd gone through that feeling great. Yeah, he was, he was um, in an emergency-only capacity on Saturday, um, and hopefully he'll be, he'll be more than that this week. Someone people may have forgotten about a bit on the O-line coming to depth is uh, Keanu Saliaponga. Uh, is he going to be back in the mix at some point? He sh- he's kind of in the same position as Sione. Um, should be back to practice a little bit this week. Whether he'll be ready to play this week or not, we'll find out in the next couple of days. Okay, back to Saturday's game. You led 14-3 at the break. Uh, first half ending, uh, your last first half possession was a punt. Uh, your second half begins with UTSA with the football, and they go on a 10-play drive. Then you get the ball back for a punt. So in real time, spanning halftime, you went a while without a score in that, in that game. Yeah, we really did. Like I said, I thought we were going to come out of halftime and and uh, the floodgates were going to open and we were just going to put a bunch of points on the board. Um, and I felt like we would get in rhythm, but we didn't. You know, for us to go three and out like that was really, really unusual for, for us on offense and just um, just didn't execute a couple of plays as well as we could have. Um, but again, our guys didn't panic and just Kept working. Stuck with it. You got only two possessions in the third quarter because UTSA did a nice job staying on the field, quite frankly. Uh, your second possession, though, ends in a Zach Wilson touchdown run. And here's Zach with uh, six rushing scores uh, four games into the season. He's one of the top rushing players in the country right now in terms of getting into the end zone. Yeah, you know, he, he I don't, I, I've said this before, and I think on this show, I don't mind running him. I just want him to count when we run him. And so 
Um, I think I think most defensive coordinators understand that that he's a good ball carrier, but it's hard for the players to recognize when he just keeps handing off and handing off, and then you get down there near the red zone, and then all of a sudden he pulls one, and so. We're just being careful about not putting him in harm's way any more than we have to, but a real recognition with, um, with the fact that when, when he does run the football, he's a real weapon. If you wanted to use him as a true RPO, 100-yard rushing game kind of guy, he's got the skill to do that, but that's not going to be how you want to get this thing done, is it? No, it's not. Uh, and yes, he has the skill to do that and certainly has the ability to run it a lot more than we're running him. Um, but... We'll try to keep him healthy. Yeah, and what you're doing is working quite well at this point. Uh, UTSA did a nice job keeping it a one-score game kind of throughout, at two to one, and uh, you basically put the game away, though, in the fourth quarter. It's a 12-play, 80-yard drive, takes six minutes plus off the clock, and Tyler does get you in at the end of it all. That was kind of the one that said, all right, we've got enough to get this done, I felt. Yeah, that was a great drive and probably my favorite moment of the day, just to, just to see us move the ball down and make some big plays in key moments and... I think that was also the drive, um, that play right there to Tyler, I think that was a third and long where we ran Came the option. Came the hole? Yeah, that was yeah. the hole, that was the call, which was, on, I thought on, was a really poor call against Joe. On Mason's uh, run. Yeah, on Mason's yeah. big run. We can, I didn't think that was a very good call, but those, those guys make some mistakes just like I do calling it, and our players make mistakes and everything as well. But regardless, our players overcame that and, and really showed some grit on that drive, and one that was, that was mainly running the football and made some big plays. It doesn't happen a lot. It's only the third time it's happened with Kalani's the head coach, but you had a 100-yard rusher and a 100-yard receiver. Uh, you got both those things going with go-to guys like that. You're going to be in good shape. And that was Tyler Algier. And uh, Dax Milne went over 100 on the day. Yeah, Dax had another good day. And, you know, I, I'm really, really pleased with the season that he's having. Um, in particular, the last couple of weeks, he's really come on. I, I've challenged him and Fessy's challenged him to become a more complete player, a guy that, that can do everything in the game, including blocking. And for a guy that's not the biggest guy, He's really taken that challenge. In the last two weeks, he's blocked harder than he ever has. He's shown great effort. One of the things we talk about in our offense a lot is everybody's going to make plays with the ball in your hand, but how you play away from the ball says a lot about your commitment to the, to your, to the team and to your teammates. And, and how he's played without the ball in his hands has said a lot about him the last couple of weeks. But obviously, he made some big plays this week, graded out at 93%, had seven catches for over 100 yards, and that big play that you showed a minute ago, they went all out, zero blitz, and, and uh, Zach trusts him enough that he'll just throw the ball up to him, and he came down with it. So it's the fourth straight game every game this year that you've had at least one 100-yard receiver in the game, and it's more than just the number. We talked preseason about, yeah, when BYU's at its best, you're going to have go-to guys that put up big numbers. Not just good numbers, but great numbers. And you've really got two guys right now uh, with Gunner and Dax doing that. And so every game, uh, you're putting a lot of uh, pressure on the opposing D with, with two pretty uh, outstanding players right now. Yeah, th- those two guys are playing great on the outside. And then, and then I really think the complementary roles of a lot of other guys, whether it, be, whether it be Neil or one of the tight ends or throwing it to a back, there's a lot of other distribution that's happening with the ball in the passing game that's really, that's really um, I think, been a key to, to us being balanced. Another key has been uh, chunk plays, and Gunnar Romney has been a big uh, part of that. Your explosives uh, often go to Gunnar, uh, and right now he actually leads all of the FBS in, uh, in the longer receptions, the 20s, the 30s, and the 40s. He leads in every one of those categories right now. 
Yeah, we got to get the ball in his hands more. As coaches, we keep talking about that. And um, when you when you throw the ball to, to him, good things happen. And uh, this one was a good example right here, just starting the game off with a simple little bubble. And he makes a couple guys miss and turns it into a, a sizable game. Another screen for Gunner. Gunner's been, we've talked about it, he's been good on the screens this year, hasn't he? He has been, and and I think we've mentioned on the show as well, most guys that are built like him, long striders, aren't aren't necessarily great in that role, but he's really a guy too, as I mentioned with Dax, that's, that's, um, that's worked to become a much more complete player than he has been in the past. We've certainly seen that a few times this year as well. The post to, to Gunner for big gains, and we, we did see him leave the game for a little bit, but he did come back in, and, and we expect him to be fine for Houston, right? Yeah, I think so. He'll be fine. Okay, uh, good third down day for you guys, and it's been a good th third down year uh, for BYU uh, on both offense and defense. Uh, I think you're top 20 in both categories, uh, and, you know, it's a big part of any OC's game plan is to make sure you're moving the sticks, and it was a 50% day for you guys on, uh, on the weekend. Yeah, and we have gotten better at that. I got to give uh, Fessy a lot of credit for that. He he really works hard on our third downs, and I give him a lot of a lot of that responsibility, and he has a lot to do with that. I'll also say that you know our third down numbers sometimes may not be indicative of how the drive finishes because we're going for it a lot more on fourth down than we ever have before, and so we recognize sometimes when it's third down that we may not gain the first down, but we might put ourselves in position for a very makeable fourth down. And so if you look at the conversion numbers, they're probably even a little bit higher than what our third down numbers say. Considering that you actually say you're, you're only planning to get, if you don't get it all, you're going to go the next down. Yeah, if we say if it's third and eight, we make seven yards, now it's fourth and one. It puts us in a really um, makeable fourth down scenario, and, and Kalani's given us a lot of freedom to to go for those this year, and, and we've enjoyed it. Okay, let's uh, let's uh, go to Offensive Player of the Week. Uh, you mentioned Dax already and some of the numbers he put up, and that's where you went for your, your player of the game, right? Yeah, it, and there were several guys we could have given it to, but again, I, I just am really, really pleased with the way that he's progressed as a player, his effort, his blocking, and the way he's playing away from the ball has been, has been exceptional the last two weeks. Some of Dax's numbers. And uh, what goes into the grade we see highlighted in yellow there at the bottom of the screen? So every play, each position coach gives a guy basically a plus or minus. Did he do his job or not with some other bonuses available if he does something exceptional? And so um, a 93, a grade of 93 means 93% of the time he, he did his job. So anytime you have a guy grading out at 85 or better, then you're going to be winning a lot of football games. So 93 certainly is, is beyond that. What would you say is his greatest asset? I think just his overall athleticism. You know, I, I had all the players over at my house a couple of times, and we've got a pool, and I just watched him do all these crazy flips and things, <laughs> jumping off the side of the pool into the pool. And, and I already knew he was a really good athlete, but I saw, okay, that's why he can do a lot of the things on the field that he does. He just has really, really good body control and, and uh, excellent quickness and uh, good spatial awareness. He's just one of those guys that, that, that can, can move in space and has the ability to get himself open and make the play. Will this become a new testing regimen for you, the pool workout? Uh, maybe it should be. Maybe I should do that with recruits. <laughs> <laughs> As we go to break, a reminder that uh, dinner after the game at JCW's includes something for everybody, from burgers to wings, shakes to salads, JCW's quality, and a lot of it in Lehigh, American Fork, Provo, South Jordan, now open in Harriman. Tune in to Cougar Pregame Live 
this Friday, 7.30 Eastern, 5.30 Mountain on BYU Radio as we get you set for the Cougars and the Cougars. It's BYU at Houston with the boys in blue looking to go 5-0 and for the first time in 12 years. Coming up next, Coach Grimes helping us preview that game and taking your questions from social media. You're in the coordinator's corner. We're brought to you by JCW's The Burger Boys. Back to Studio C with more right after this. Coordinator's Corner on BYU-TV is brought to you by JCW's The Burger Boys. BYU Food To Go, the MVP of your next event. Siegfried and Jensen, serving Utah families for over 25 years. You're in the Coordinator's Corner, brought to you by JCW's The Burger Boys. The Friday night ESPN matchup is 13th and 14th ranked. BYU at Houston, third all-time meeting. BYU 2-0 with uh, wins in 2013 and 2014. Coach Jeff Grimes with us. Uh, so UH has played just the one game. Uh, finally got on the field against somebody this past week. They allowed 31 to Tulane, but uh, the Green Wave had two defensive touchdowns and got another score off, off another turnover. So 49-31 game that uh, could have been a lot different uh, and much more dominantly in, in Houston's favor. Yeah, they, they've got a lot of talent. I'm just glad we have at least one game to watch them play <laughs> this year. Um, but, you know, I, I'm, sure, uh, I'm sure some of those miscues on their part were due to it just being the first game of the year, and, and I'm sure they'll put them behind them. And they got a lot of good players, and they play with a lot of speed and aggression, at least on defense. I would assume the same would be true of their offense, and so it'll be a big challenge for us. Schematically, what might you expect from Houston defensively? Well, they've shown a, uh, quite a bit of constancy in how they play the game. They play, they play a four-down front on, on most downs, and they pretty much cut their defensive line loose to get up the field and, and get after the quarterback, as you're seeing right here, Tulane's, Tulane's offensive line had a really hard time handling their front. Um, and then play a lot of man coverage in the back end. Um, and so I, I feel confident we'll see what we have seen from them. And what we saw from this first game was, was uh, very similar to what they did last season as well. They've got a scheme that I think they believe in, and, and they've got the players that match it. Okay, let's get to social media for a couple of questions to wrap things up with you here today. Uh, from Nathan Hatch. For Coach Grimes, what did UTSA do differently than previous opponents to disrupt the offensive game plan to an extent? And what's the mindset going into Houston to regain focus and maybe even shore up ball security issues that we saw crop up on Saturday? Um, well, UTSA didn't do anything um, exceptionally different, certainly nothing different than what we had seen on film. And I think um, our lack of ability to... Um, continue drives and get points on the board was due to our mistakes more than what UTSA had done. And I, I don't want to sell them short in any way. They came in and played hard and played physical, and I feel like that's a well-coached team that came in with the expectation to win. Um, and we allowed them to hang around, which was something we hadn't done with a couple of other opponents. Um, in terms of ball security, that's something we focus on every day. So there won't be anything extra that we do. Um, that we'll continue to do what we always do. Um, and that is emphasized on a daily basis. Okay. Alan Daniels asks, I'd be curious to know from Coach Grimes how the work-family balance is different or the same at BYU as opposed to your other schools. That's a great question. Um, much better, um, and I think it starts with, um, with Kalani being someone that really, really, truly values our family time, and he, he really trusts me to spend the time that that I need to with the offensive staff in order to, to be prepared for each game, whatever that takes. 
and certainly there are some weeks like this one where it's a little bit of a shorter week and then at other times we've had we've had more preparation time and so there's some weeks where we put in more time than others um, but I think um, the church's stance on family and Kalani's belief in family is something that that um, that certainly makes this job um, one that's very enviable and one that that my wife and kids have certainly benefited from. I'm glad you're happy and I'm glad you're back. Uh, always good to be with you. We'll see you in two weeks. Good luck against Houston. All right. Thanks. Can't wait. That is Coach Jeff Grimes. Friday night, uh, get set for BYU in Houston with countdown to kickoff, 830 Eastern, 630 Mountain on BYU TV. And remember, with BYU's win this past Saturday, if you live in Utah, you can get 50% off pizza today only using the promo code BYU50 at PapaJohns.com. That's Papa John's. Coming up next, special teams coordinator Ed Lamb joining us. This is the Coordinator's Corner, and we're live from Studio C on the BYU TV app. Back with Coach Lamb next. We're in the coordinator's corner, brought to you by JCW's, the Burger Boys. BYU now 4-0 on the season for the first time since 2014. After a 27-20 home win over UTSA on Saturday, Cougs now ranked 13th in the coaches' poll and 14th in the AP. So up two spots in one and up one spot in the other. Second half hour of the show getting underway now by us saying hello to special teams coordinator, linebackers coach, and assistant head coach, Ed Lamb. Coach Lamb, always good to see you. Hi, Greg. So uh, when the odds makers say you're going to win by five touchdowns and you win by one touchdown, uh, probably a few things could have been sharpened up. But a win is a win, and the good teams get the W when they may not play their best game in all facets. And we're going to get into how a good game was still played. But it was a, maybe a game where rhythm wasn't maybe consistent throughout, and you probably felt, yeah, we left some things out there. Yeah, I think that's a valid um, criticism. It's, it's really not – I have a hard time commenting on it because as coaches we don't, we don't pay as much attention to maybe the, the motivation of the whole team. I mm-hmm. think certainly the head coach would. But, uh, you know, the, to sometimes painting with such a broad brush in terms of maybe disappointing whatever the spread was, um, it can be a disservice to some of the players who may have played their best game. And I think sometimes that also painting with a broad brush like that and saying the team didn't rise to the occasion or overlook the opponent, I think that sometimes lets us as coaches off the hook where there, there are things we can do better. And, uh, and, and so we, we really, I think the majority of our coaching staff just gets in and really takes a look at the video and diagnoses how we all could have been better in our individual roles. Thing or things with which you were most pleased about the win on Saturday? Um, you know, I thought we had some guys play incredibly hard on, on defense. Isaiah Kalfusi had his, his best game, his most physical, violent, courageous game that, he, that he's had. Uh, we played, you know, we... We got caught off guard a little bit when they made the quarterback change. Our game plan was very much to stop their potent running attack and challenge them to throw. And uh, Isaiah's, uh, you know, the only time when, when maybe he showed up on video as not playing a, uh, as close as you can to a perfect game was, uh, was when they got us in some of that aggressive coverage and he ended up being the guy that had too much space to cover. It wasn't fair to him, but what a, what a game he played. And I thought uh, Ryan Rico played an outstanding game as well. Uh, thing or things that uh, maybe get uh, a little of uh, or most of the attention after coming out of that one? Um, uh, yes, I, I think we, we needed to have a better understanding of, 
Uh, number their quarterback, their backup quarterback, number ten, Narcisse. We uh, I don't think we gave him credit for being as accurate and as strong armed as he was as a passer, and uh, and and he hurt us. And so we we went into the game saying stop the run, win the game, and uh, we did we did stop the run. I think our yards per carry were 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 pretty uh, solid, but we just didn't we didn't do well enough against the passing game. We also didn't finish some pass rushes that cost us, and we didn't finish some coverage down the field. Did you sense any letdown either in week or in game against UTSA? Um, I addressed the team on Friday um, because I felt like, and I addressed them very directly because I felt like it, that our attention to detail in our walkthrough wasn't, and, and wa- our walkthroughs are not a big effort thing. It's really a mental exercise, and I didn't think our walkthrough was where it needed to be. Uh, but again, you know, in that moment, I was painting with a broad brush, and I was probably talking to five to ten percent of the team that happened to catch my eye, and I felt like weren't as focused as they should be. So, yeah, I would never discredit the opponent or discredit the guys on our team who are, who are completely riveted on the task at hand by saying you know, this whole team uh, dropped the ball on in, on game day. You've yet to allow an opening drive score this season, and uh, this one, this game started. I think I think Troy picks off that floated pass on the first possession for UTSA, right? Yes, yeah, that was, they uh, got the drive going a little bit, and so good job by the defense of just keeping the ball in front of us, and then we, we did get some fortune there. I think the ball must have slipped out of the quarterback's hand. It just wasn't a typical delivery, but uh, keeping the ball in front of us, stopping the run, led to some good things in the first half. Yeah, from my angle, as high as I am in the booth, I, I thought the ball was going out of bounds, and then all of a sudden it ends up, you know, 20 yards inbounds and yeah. Troy's picking it off. Yeah, I, I don't see the TV copies, of course, but my, my wife, Sarah, said that the, the cameraman missed it, and so she had no idea what, what had happened. Interesting that uh, Troy uh, goes his entire career without a pick, and then he gets picks in back-to-back weeks now. That's right, yeah, and he, you know how guys are that, you know, at practice a lot of times, if he drops an a interception at all in practice, then everybody gives him the business about it. <laughs> and so nice to see him. He does have good hands and, and, you know, even played some receiver for us in his freshman year. I don't know if he appeared in a game, but uh, we, we considered using him as a two-way player in his freshman year. It would have been a tough one, but I think he got close to a second pick, too, uh, on an underthrown ball on Saturday, as I recall. He got he, to it. He did. Yeah. yeah, he was close. Yeah. Uh, so UTSA gets the only score of the opening quarter, and that's actually the first time that BYU's trailed at any point this season. It took game four to get to a point where you actually were behind for a bit. Yes, and um, and it, it, sooner or later it was probably going to happen. I've I've played on, coached on a lot of teams that have sparkling records, and they're just eventually during the season there are going to be um, games that are a challenge and a gut check and uh, teams are going to bring their best effort against us when we're getting a lot of publicity and people are telling our, our players how good we are and so this was a game where I felt like we got UTSA's best effort and uh, and, and our guys didn't shy away from that did, did we play our best game I don't you know that's for that's for fans or media to decide but uh, yeah, I certainly can say that you know the guys did enough to keep fighting and hang in there and get a victory and Hopefully we can learn from that and play better and strive to be uh, at our best each week. You went into halftime up 14-3. to 3. Uh, What were your feelings at the break with that uh, 11-point lead? Um, yeah, feelings for me usually are we really get together as a, as a, as a whole staff quickly and then as a defensive staff, and, and then I usually visit with uh, Kalani for it's really just 30 seconds to a minute to talk about the overall team and, and maybe what kind of vibe that we're feeling. And uh, after getting together specifically with, with the defense, we felt like that um, the game plan was in effect at that point. We were keeping the ball in front of us. We were stopping the run. 
Uh, the passing game wasn't hurting us for scoring drives. I think the overall yardage was uh, right at 100 or something. 101, like that. I think. 101 at halftime. Half yeah. So yeah. pretty solid defense. Didn't see a lot of adjustments taking place. And then, you know, um, and then we come out and we're facing a new quarterback. And so yeah. we had to make some adjustments on the fly. And I thought we were a little late to, to a couple of those adjustments. We'll talk some more about that uh, coming up next. It is time for a break. When we come back, uh, we will have some more on Saturday's home win over UTSA. And we'll have some uh, players of the week for you as well. As we go to break, we want to remind you that uh, Wednesday at 8 p.m. Eastern time on the BYU TV app, you'll get to see the first practice of this year's men's basketball team. Join Jerem Jordan, Anson Winder, and Coach Pope as we get our first look at the Cougars in 2020-21. This is the Coordinator's Corner. We're brought to you by JCW's The Burger Boys. We're coming to you live from Studio C at the BYU Broadcasting Building. We're back with more right after this. Shotgun snap to Narcisse. Pocket collapses for the first time today. He is going down. Three Cougars in. On that sack of the quarterback. Officially, they gave it to Gabe Summers, but a nice work by a bunch of guys there. Back on the coordinator's corner with special teams coordinator, linebackers coach, and assistant head coach, Ed Lamb. BYU now ranked 13th by the coaches, 14th by the AP. As the Cougs get set to visit Houston on Friday night, huge game for BYU against a, a name team under the Friday night lights of ESPN. All right, uh, BYU got to 4-0 with a 27-20 home win over UTSA. And, and Coach Lamb, I, I don't know if the observers maybe gave the Roadrunners enough credit uh, coming in. The size of the O-line alone uh, told you I think they could do some things, and they did have the guy who still, to this day, uh, has more rushing yards than anybody in the FBS this yeah, season. Yeah, absolutely. Very capable team. They're, they're, but... Their capabilities were, with their starting quarterback anyway, he, he's mainly a runner, a guy who throws up some shots, and then they rely on the size and strength of their offensive line with a great running back behind it. And, and I think anyone that had really studied them knew that that was their strength. Their, their strength changed right after halftime, and, and that was the challenge that we had to face. I think they brought Narcisse in late in the first half, right, and then they stuck with him in the second half, and then things began to get going uh, for them with him. He's got tight end size, like 6'3", 230, and he yeah. can sling it, as we saw. Yeah, he saw his size and strength uh, late in the game when he, when he stepped out of one of our would-be sacks and had, really had him wrapped up a clean shot at him and then delivered the ball down the field for really un- uncovered. We had a, a blown coverage there. But, uh, yeah, uh, really just presented a new set of challenges. And it's not uh, – I spoke about adjustments earlier. I don't want to make it sound like that uh, – you know, we get out there and we run defenses that aren't the same defenses that everybody else in the country are running. But a lot of times it's, it's just initial alignments we'll, and keys. We'll take, we'll take an alignment and maybe steal a yard or two to take away the run and make it a little uh, more, more vulnerable to the pass. And, and so we had to make those adjustments as the, as the second half went on there. Uh, you were really close to getting him before he threw that final touchdown pass, too. We were. He was. He was really in the grasp. If you watch uh, Zach's uh, Zach Dawes' demeanor when he when he kind of jumps up, he, he thinks it's a sack, and then and then you know almost has arms raised, and then then he keeps going. So really a strong, a nice strong play, and, and we came out of coverage there in the back end. And was that because Keenan thought he was going to? Uh, I mean, what, what, is that why he came out of it? A, a little bit. Yeah, we get we got caught in between there on that scramble. Uh, you know, be, between a a pocket passer and then a passer rolling out. And, and we just didn't recognize that in the secondary and didn't quite adjust. And so Keenan was playing where he thought he should have played. And, gotcha. you know, we just, it's one of those situations that doesn't happen very often. Hopefully we learn from it and roll the coverage a little better next time. Uh, securing the victory did come down to a special teams play. There was an onside kick at the very end. There, there was. And, uh, yeah, Keenan uh, Peely was the, the guy who got the recovery. 
Uh, Dax Milne stepped up. It looked like it was going to be delivered well to him. They got a great bounce on the, the ball was spinning kind of sideways, and so it approached the line and then almost curved away from the line of uh, the, the line of demarcation there. And then the, yeah, Keenan rallied over, and I, I think he was the one who actually secured it late. Nice block picked up there by Talmadge, uh, Gunther, and some of the front line guys. And, that, that's a huge play. Wins the, what we say in practice all the time is you pay attention to this technique because it wins the game. Mm. And, and the bouncing ball after the first attempt to secure it, that's when things get scary, when the first thing doesn't happen. <laughs> it is, yeah. yeah. We, we'd rather have the ones that just kind of take a cherry hop to the front line or the, or the front line lets a hot one go and it takes a cherry hop to the back line. But um, that's as an onside kick team, that's what you're trying to create is just a little bit of a confusion, a batted ball, and, and they got it. 4-0 through four games means there are a lot of good things happening. And the national numbers and rankings are impressive all over the place for this team and really on both sides of the ball. And you could add special teams to it in how you've kicked the ball. Um, we'll talk a bit about special teams in, in a second and why you were down a guy. But um, really, in every major meaningful category, um, everyone's excelling right now. And it's a great spot to be in. It is. I, I think a rising tide uh, raises all ships, and so credit the leadership. We have a veteran team. It's it's one we've been recruiting for, developing. I can we can go back and and put up a lot of uh, low lights over the last few years. Some of these young guys that have played and are earning their stripes as they go, and now they're excelling in roles as veterans. And and the, the whole team, I think is inspired by it and uh, raises their level of play around those veterans. BYU's defense right now, a top five in points allowed, uh, yards allowed, rush yards allowed. And and just to reiterate that point uh, about Sincere McCormick and how well they had been running the football, uh, he came in averaging 130-plus yards per game, and you kept him in the 40s, I think. Yes, and and we really look at yards per carry as well. We felt like that yards per carry was where in, in the range that we want it to be and held him in that situation, took away a, a facet of their game plan, and I think that's one of the reasons that they felt like they needed to make a quarterback change. It wasn't all on the quarterbacks. It was just they needed a new plan uh, to move the ball. And so credit them for that and, and uh, you know, credit our guys for hanging on for the victory. Kicking situation. Didn't have Jake Oldroyd. Uh, can you tell us why he had to sit out and if you get him back and where things stand right now? Yeah, I, I think I'm probably not supposed to, to um, tell us tell why he was missing, uh, exactly why. But, uh, yeah, anyway, he's, he's, we expect him back. He's dealing with a, a minor injury. That, so okay, minor. Uh, yeah, non-surgical. And yeah, absolutely. And, um, and he's back in, in practice. He was actually available for the game. I but, saw him warm uh, up. Yeah, he's yeah, taking just, some kicks. Just a little tight and felt like the best thing for him uh, going forward. Uh, the goal being to kick as many game kicks as possible throughout the season. And so uh, we just didn't feel like it was an appropriate risk with where he was at, the feedback that I was getting from him and the feedback that I was getting from our training staff. So you had Ryan Rico handle kickoffs, which you knew he could do anyway. Uh, he had his most punts in a single game. He got some work there. And then you brought in Justin Smith to be your placement for field goal and PAT. No field goal tries for Justin, and, and, and one PAT was missed. That's right. We, yeah, we did miss uh, push one of the PATs. Uh, Justin's uh, brand new uh, first game, college game action of his career, fresh off a of mission. So, uh, you know, he stepped up. He's gotten better during training camp. He'll have a great career in front of him. But probably, you know, for him personally, just a, a mixed bag. I'm sure he wanted to hit that PAT. Ryan Rico played, yeah, three roles. He, he punted, he kicked off, and he also was our holder on the on the PATs and, and would have been prepared to do the, any field goals that we attempted. We felt like with Justin getting his first action that we would be a little more aggressive on offense. And so we we went for, I think, the, uh, the fourth and goal there on the four-yard line. That could have been a potential field goal situation. But going into the game, we had, a, we had fourth and four, fourth and goal from the four as a, as a goal. Okay, makes sense. Uh, let's get to some players of the week, and let's uh, credit one of your linebackers, uh, Isaiah Kafusi. You said he had a, an outstanding game, and, and, uh, and the numbers bear that out. 
He, he did. And, and really, I think the recognition for him, from our coaching staff anyway, is, you know, Isaiah's been a, a player that we could always count on in, in the passing game. He's been a leader on the field. He makes the checks. He's uh, off the field. He's the guy always rallying the troops for, for seven on seven, pay attention in meetings. He's just such a tremendous leader in person and now father and husband. And, you know, we just have a lot of respect for who he is. Um, where he elevated his this last game in a way that I had not seen him done before is is his contact courage, the way that he was making tackles and made some tackles in the backfield. Um, completely flew by one of the pulling offensive linemen, and it takes a lot of courage sometimes to just ignore the offensive linemen and go for the running back. And some guys will get a little cringy sometimes and try to take on the the blocker first and then go to the running back. He just played with his hair on fire. I thought. I thought uh, he inspired the guys to hang in there, keep adjusting, uh, keep the keep the game on the line. He was good in the pregame. He was good on Friday practice. When I talked about the instance that we had where we tried to pick the team up a little bit, he's a valuable, valuable, valuable leader for us. Two special teams and your players of the game against UTSA. Uh, Ryan Rico was the, the player of the game for the versatility that he brought and the way that he, the way that he executed. Also, the final punt where you know he had to take a snap under full pressure and ended up drawing a penalty there by leaving his leg out um, for the max block effort. Um, Keenan Keenan Peely was recognized for uh, for a player of the game as well. He he made the huge uh, recovery on the onside on the hands team against the onside kick. That's always big. Max Tooley has been uh, just a special teams demon for us in the coverage game, both kickoff and punt. He racking up tackles every game. He continued to do that this week. And Zane Anderson had his best game. He's a guy that in the past had been a really good punt and kickoff cover for us guy. He's just now getting back into some of that high level of play in those phases. And your top blocks? Uh, top blocks were, yeah, um, Jackson Cuffles. He played an outstanding game in the punt return and really worked hard in that area. Great to see him elevating his game in there. Uh, Pepe Tanvasa and Braden Cosper in the kickoff return, more for their work in the kickoff return. But all three of those guys are key guys on the special teams, especially in the return games. All right, congrats to this week's honorees on special teams. Time again for a break, and as we step away, we'll remind you that for your daily Cougar Sports play-by-play tune-in weekdays to BYU Sports Nation at noon Eastern time. Coming up in our final segment of this week's show, it'll be a preview of a Friday's game at Houston. And some questions from Cougar Nation for Coach Lamb on social media. You are in the coordinator's corner. We're brought to you by JCW's The Burger Boys. Back to the BYU Broadcasting Building on the BYU campus right after this. And the kick is skipped off the ground and bounced in the air and loose. And the Cougars have recovered at their own uh, 49-yard line, I do believe. That's how the Cougars wrapped it up on Saturday. BYU at Houston this week in a clash of the Cougars Friday night. BYU ranked 13th by the coaches, 14th by the AP, uh, up in both polls after Saturday's 27-20 home win over a tough UTSA squad. Coach Ed Lamb with us. Uh, Coach, uh, if you include Houston, uh, the teams that have played BYU right now are a combined 11-6. and six. That goes to 11-2 mm-hmm. and two when you take out their BYU games. You've been playing some good G5 programs here. I think so. Yeah, we've probably another one of those questions that's like we're almost in a bubble sometimes as coaches. And, and really, I think our players are, too. We're we're really not aware of, of uh, you know, how strong a, a, the perception of a team is going into a game. In large part, we're, we're looking at how what they do well and, and where we think we can exploit anything that might be a weakness. OK, maybe 30 seconds on what you see from Houston. Oh, wow. A lot of challenges there. Um, uh, a fast offense that is really aggressive, a quarterback that can make all the throws, uh, one of the premier uh, slot receivers in the game, 
and outside outside receivers can do their uh, can do the job and get over the top. They have a precision passing game as well. Uh, re- two really good running backs and an, and an athletic offensive line. Defense, their numbers are off the chart right now. They really gave Tulane all they could handle, and and uh, in the special teams, they're the top kickoff return team in the country. I think. Okay, I've got literally 30 seconds for this. It's a social media question from Bryson Webster, and I'll try and uh, paraphrase it. How quickly do coordinators adjust or scrap game plans based on what you're seeing in-game? you got 15 seconds. <laughs> Every coordinator is a little bit different. Every situation or adjustment is a little bit different. Small adjustments are made every series, every play by players and coaches. Larger adjustments take more time. Thank you, Coach. We'll see you next week. That'll do it for this week's edition of the Coordinator's Corner. We'll do it again next Monday, 1 Eastern, right here on the BYU TV app. For coaches Lamb and Grimes, I am Greg Grubel. Have a great week, and go Cougs!